0: How are we doing? Good? Wasn't that amazing? Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you, God. You're so good. we just wait on you, God. We thank you that you're here. Thank you for your presence. You know, if we put more value... on a book, and I love the Bible, I love it, it's awesome, it's God's Word in print, it's God in print, but if we put more value on the book that the New Church, the New Testament Church wrote versus the spirit that they had, then we'll be a bit unbalanced does that make sense and I believe we're coming into a time where Jesus prophesied they'll worship in spirit and in truth and we need the Bible we love the word of God it's the word of God alright so don't, don't hear what I'm not saying but we It's spirit and truth. It's not just the Bible without the spirit, and it's not just the spirit without the Bible, without the word. Does that make sense? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, like, hey, Paul wrote the New Testament? He didn't have 1 Corinthians 14, or he didn't have, you know, Galatians 5, 1, and he didn't have Romans. He wrote the thing. And he was led by the Spirit of God. Jesus said, when I leave, the Spirit will come and he'll lead you into all truth. And I want to ask this question today of of, of, of us, of Glory City, Melbourne. Because I believe the Lord is calling us into a I'm all in response. I believe the Lord is saying, are, are you all in or do you still have one foot in, in this or one foot in that? It's not, I'm not condemning anyone, but I feel like the Lord is inviting us as a church, as a community, to say, I'm all in at any cost. Um, Chris Vallotton, I think, says, I think it was Chris, or maybe, I don't know who it was. They said grace is grace is free right grace is free but maturity costs you something grace is free we come into this thing called the kingdom freely it's a free gift of grace it's a free gift of righteousness but putting ourselves in a position where god can move and do something and come in and power and in signs and wonders and miracles it costs us something You can't tell me Mary, pregnant with the illegitimate child, didn't cost her something. Yeah? Walking around with a belly saying, God came to me in a dream and that's how I got pregnant, didn't cost you something. But she was highly favoured of God. And people are like, oh, I want to be highly favoured of God. It's like, well, be careful how you pray that prayer because you might just get highly favoured of God and you might be ridic- ridiculed by all mankind. Yeah, wow. And I want to go to Isaiah 61. Turn with me to Isaiah 61. This is going to be one of our passages this morning. And I, I, I'm going to try not to talk for too long. And I want to open it up to the Spirit of God to, to move <laughs> Emily's laughing. Everyone's laughing. You've said that before, Liam. <laughs> but I want to ask us this question of, are we in at any cost? And I, I, I don't mean that in like a, oh, I'm not sure if I... I you know. <laughs> this, is, this is for us as a body, for us as a local church, because... I just, you know, when Jesus said a prophet is without honour in his hometown, that wasn't the blueprint on which the rest of the church life should live. That wasn't like a, well, it's going to be really tough in your home church, but when you, anyone who, and Andrew will back me up here. If you've preached anywhere else sometimes than your home church, you, you, you can sometimes, you're like, wow, it's really easy to go to another place with, you know, a couple of hundred people, preach, make a mess and leave, right? <laughs> it's it's quite it's quite easy to do that. But there's something beautiful about the home. There's something beautiful. And Weeks, he mentioned it this morning, the father's house. There's something beautiful about the hometown. And actually, because it's it's easier to grab... I'll use this analogy. It's easier to grab $100 and bless someone than it is to take them on the journey to build a lifestyle where they're sowing and reaping. Wow. Does that make sense? It's, that's easier. It's easier to go, here's $100, catch you later. And I've been a blessing, and that's a part of the Christian walk. That's a part of our life that we get to be a blessing everywhere that we go. That's 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 a part of it. It's not separate from that, but that's a part of it. But it's it takes effort and cost to say, hey, let me come on the journey with you and teach you how to sow and reap and water and plant and do all of these things and build the house and build into people and make disciples. It costs us something. Does that make sense? Am I, I, yeah? And I just don't believe that the blueprint of that, of like a prophet is without honour in his hometown is the blueprint of how we're supposed to... And I'm not saying for you guys to honour me. I'm saying this as a analogy, as a picture of what I believe God wants to do here at Glory City, Lillardale, Melbourne. Yeah? By the way, welcome back for the first time, Mr and Mrs Bradhurst. That Mr and Mrs Bradhurst. There's three Mr and Mrs Bradhursts in the room today. Normally there's four. But, um, yeah, it's cool. Um... And so I, I really want to go after something, and I, I've had this, this. This has been one of our pivotal scriptures here at, within this house for the last three years. We know it well, but I want to. I want to pick it up um, at verse Isaiah 61, at verse three, it says to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. We'll just stop right there for a second. This is kind of part three of the renewed mind, by the way. I I am going to touch on the renewed mind again, again. And I would encourage you to listen back to the last two. Understanding comes from faith, comes from faith, not faith from understanding. By faith, we understand that the worlds were formed. By faith, we understand that the worlds were formed. That's in Hebrews. Understanding doesn't, faith doesn't come from understanding. Understanding comes from faith. My people perish for a lack of miracles, lack of church services, lack of knowledge. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. That word knowledge is the same word we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the word understanding. My people perish for a lack of practical understanding, experience of the Spirit of God. Faith comes, understanding comes from faith. Here in Isaiah sixty-one, we see. Do you know the most common word in this in this uh, passage of scripture is the word "instead of"? I love it to grant those who mourn mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment in praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Listen to the next verse, verse 4. They shall build up ancient ruins, and they shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Who's they? Us. So what does he give us? He gives us a headdress, excuse me, instead of ashes. He gives us an oil of gladness. It's not a concept, it's a substance. The oil of gladness isn't some airy-fairy thought, it's a substance that transforms a person so that they can rebuild ancient ruins. He gives us a headdress instead of ashes so that they can rebuild ancient ruins. He gives us praise, a garment of praise, instead of a faint spirit, so that we can rebuild ancient ruins. It's the substance of God that comes and he gives it to us and is available so we can actually do something with it to rebuild the ancient ruins. Yes? Okay, cool. (laughs) In the beginning with Adam and Eve, do you know there's no mention of spiritual warfare? The serpent was clearly there. Clearly, that he was clearly in the he was clearly on planet Earth. Where exactly? But he was on planet Earth. There's no mention of spiritual warfare. There's no like, hey, you got to bind this and cast out this and break this and do this. There's none of. There's no mention of it. There's just Adam walked in the cool of the day with the Lord. And he said, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. I believe that God was asking, co-laboring with Adam and Eve to say, I want you to cultivate the garden right now. And then as you cultivate that, you're going to move out from the garden and you're going to cultivate more of the earth. Then, as you do that, you're going to move out from that and cultivate and populate and move out. And, and that, was, that was the original intention of humanity. Does that make sense? Obviously, we know the story. They stuffed it up. It, it all went pear-shaped, you know, or apple-shaped. Um, <laughs> on the spot, that one. Didn't write that in. <laughs> um, I think for a long time, spiritual world warfare, and Paul says, you know, do not be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. So I'm not... That's a part of it. But I think for a long, long time, spiritual warfare and taking back ground that the enemy has taken has been too focused on the devil than it is fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm just not really that interested in what he's saying or doing. I'm interested in what he's saying or doing. And Jesus said, I live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I live in response to the Father. And he's given us the oil of gladness. He's given us the headdress. He's given us the beautiful headdress, the oil of gladness, the garment of praise. so we could be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and then they rebuild ancient ruins. Revival always starts in the house, always. You read history, you read revival, it always starts in the house of God. If it stays in the house of God, it dies. But it always starts in the house. Jesus came to his own and his own did not recognise him. He came, you know, in Luke 4, where he says, he quotes this verse. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, bind up the brokenhearted, release captives, give liberty, of, give liberty to freedom, recovery of sight to the blind. Right? He quotes Isaiah 61. And then he says, And on the favourable year of the Lord, and then the Bible says he sits down, and it says, All marvelled at the grace-filled words that came out of the mouth of Jesus. Some theologians believe he sat in the mercy seat. And uh, it talks about how when the Messiah comes, he will sit in the mercy seat. And he actually sat down in the temple in the mercy seat. And so they marveled. They were like, wow, that's a bold statement. He's saying I'm the king. Then the very next verse, I think in Mark, it records it, that it says, and then they went into unbelief because they were like, hang on. Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? And it says Jesus could do no mighty miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, most churches would take that. They'd take, just give me the few sick people and see them healed. They'll they'll be like, that's a good day, right? I don't believe they shut down Jesus' ability and power. I don't think they could do that. I don't think there's a spirit on planet Earth that can shut down... Uh, the power of God, right? What I do believe happened is he so wanted to co-labor with Jerusalem. He so wanted to co-labor with his hometown that they didn't bring the sick people, the mighty, they didn't bring, they didn't expect mighty miracles to happen. And he just had time for enough to maybe lay his hands on a few sick people and get them healed before he was getting accused of blasphemy. And he had to leave. He can't shut down the power of God, right? However, he so wants to co-labor with humanity. He so wants to partner with humanity on rebuilding the ancient ruins. Go to Exodus 23 for me real quick. I'm going to show you this. Spiritual warfare. Exodus twenty three verse twenty nine. Should have had it marked. Exodus twenty-three verse twenty-nine. Uh I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land becomes desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. I believe what the Lord wants to do here in this church, in this house, Glory City, is I I believe he's inviting us into saying, Hey, are you all in at any cost? Because what I want to do, I believe the renewed mind, one of the aspects of the renewed mind cancels the fear of man. When it leads to, and it's just head knowledge, it becomes regurgitated information that we speak out. But when it becomes an encounter with God that we experience for ourselves of the instead of gets transferred, we realise, oh, I've got the oil of gladness right now. Then the fear of man leaves. And then we get to rebuild the ancient ruins. Because then we get to take the land back and drive out the enemy little by little, one by one. Enemy is not people. It's not your boss, right? It's not your spouse, definitely. Um, <laughs> right, it's not your neighbour. But it, it comes, and I almost say this as, a, as, a, as like a prequel for what I can sense coming from the Lord. as as a warning. Every great move of God that's come into the world, from the outsiders looking in, it looks pretty weird. Now, it doesn't have to be weird, but I think sometimes God will offend the mind to reveal the heart, to see what we'll do. I mean, a virgin birth is pretty offensive. To the rest of the world, that looks like sin. It looks like sin, but it wasn't. Acts 2, the outpouring of the Spirit in the upper room. Oh, they're not drunk as you suppose. Don't tell me they didn't look weird. <laughs> 9 o'clock in the morning Peter says we're not drunk this is God they're praying in another language I mean that's just weird in and of itself <laughs> but that's God's normal that's his normal the renewed mind makes the weird things of God normal Acts 3, Peter goes to, onto the temple to pray with John and he says, We don't have money to the guy that gave beautiful, but what we do have, we give to you freely. And they gave it away. What did they do? They rebuilt the ancient ruins. They started, to, they realised at this moment, God wants to do things through us. He wants to co-labor with us to drive out the enemies of darkness And I believe one of the ways that he he wants to do it is through that we would... This is the picture I have. I can't remember who, who shared this analogy with me, but there was rats on a plane. It's not a true story. There were rats on a plane. And the pilots... Not snakes on a plane, rats, okay? There were rats on a plane. And there were too many to get it once. And the pilot the pilot says just fly to a higher altitude. And all the rats died. What what I believe the Lord wants to do here in this house in with this group of people that we have is I believe he's saying do you want to step over the threshold? And I don't believe it's a guilt shame invitation. I believe he's he's saying it's, this is a heart posture. Are we all in at any cost for revival? Because what he wants to do is he wants to do revival in the house, then he wants to take revival out of the house, and then he wants to reform this city. Yes. When Shen and I planted this church, one of the things that Catherine Rournala asked us is, she said, do you want to be just... Not, and she didn't mean numerical. She said, do you want to be a small church that doesn't have any influence at all? Or do you want to be a church where revival happens, where you will influence society and culture? She said, if you want to be that church, you can be a Glory City church. I was like, yeah, sign me up. That's it. That's what we're here for. Not to, not to dominate, but to take dominion back of things that the enemy has stolen. And he does it through a higher altitude of of lifting our voice to the Lord. That's why praise. That's why the gathering. Hebrews says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. I love church. I love the the body of believers coming together, sharing testimonies, worshipping the Lord. It's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's awesome. And he wants to do it in the house. He wants to do it in the house so that we can learn to take it out of the house. Because he wants a family, he wants a body of believers to be in one accord, in unison of spirit. To take it out so that we can rebuild the ancient ruins. One slays 1,000, two slay 10. We're just better together. What a three slay, what a four slay, what a five slay. It's exponential growth. Is this making sense? Yeah. Paul I want to share this last couple of thoughts Paul was the greatest theologian probably of in the old test in in the old covenant He was well trained well schooled and then he gets born again pretty radical encounter with God he had to have a radical encounter with God I believe I don't think a theological argument would have done with Paul I think it was Needed a radical encounter. He has a radical encounter. And then in Corinthians, he talks about, I think it's in Corinthians, yeah, talks about the thorn in his flesh. Remember this verse? Everyone attributed it to healing, bad theology. The thorn in the flesh is four times is mentioned in the Old Testament as a persecutor, a person that would persecute someone. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. We call it a pain in the (laughs) ear. That's what we call it, right? Paul, the great Paul, Saul, gets radically an encounter with God that transforms his life. And then he's preaching Jesus and he has persecution. He has maybe one individual or maybe it was the, it was the Jewish sect that were coming after him, persecuting him. And he says, God, if your grace is sufficient, take this from me. But in, your, in my weakness, you are made strong. That's the prayer he prays. He has an encounter and he counts the cost. He says, God, in your weakness, I am made strong. If your grace is sufficient, take this guy from me. Take this person from me. But if you if you don't, it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep plowing on and preaching the gospel. I'm going to keep going. It's not a comfortable life. He was crucified. He was beaten. He, well, he, well, Paul wasn't crucified, but he was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was... He's like, but it's worth it. This is, everything is worth it for knowing you, Jesus. He said, the rest of this is just filthy rags, but knowing you, I push onto that. There's a cost to it. And I think sometimes, if I can just provoke us, we like it comfortable. We like our church services comfortable. Don't rock the boat. Make sure you're done at a certain time. Make sure it ticks all my boxes. And I will incorporate Jesus into, into my life rather than Jesus becomes my life. And everything fits around him. I'm not saying don't have things in your life. I'm not saying those things. I'm not saying don't have friends and don't have you know hobbies and all of those things. God loves that. But it comes at a cost. If we want revival, it comes at a cost. Many are called few are chosen. It's one of the most fascinating verses in the Bible, I believe. Many are called few are chosen. When I when we move house, I've shared this analogy before, but when when we've moved house before, you know, no one loves moving house. It's the worst thing in the world. It's seriously, it's just terrible. <laughs> You pack up all your belongings, right? And then you message eight of your best friends and you say, can you help me move house and I'll buy you pizza and a Coke. That's all you get, right? (laughs) We'll be moving house in October. That's just a prequel. (laughs) But you message eight, five respond, three are like, I'm not doing that. We called eight. We only get to choose five because five responded with a yes. Many are called, few are chosen. You call call eight, five respond with yes. I'm all in. Okay, at the cost. I'll do it for pizza and a Coke. Whatever. Whatever it costs. I look like an idiot. I look like a fool. I don't care what the world thinks. I care what God thinks the renewed mind takes the fear of God away because we realise we've got an oil of gladness we've got a headdress we've got a garment of praise and we realise that through an encounter with God and then we get to rebuild the ancient ruins and God goes I called everyone but I choose you I choose you it's not a salvation thing I choose you come Come, I'm going to give you secrets. I'm going to give you insight into my presence. People perish for a lack of knowledge. It's not. I'm not talking salvation. I'm talking about God wants to do more. He wants to build upon. He wants to build upon line upon line, precept upon precept, so we can handle the glory of God to take it out there. So that when, I'm not, I'm not prophesying this, but when the accusations come, we've had the encounter with God to last the distance. When the thorn in the flesh comes, when the accuser of the brethren comes, we have... We're standing on the rock. We've gone to a higher altitude and the rats just start to die down. We can rebuild the ancient ruins. I will finish with this story. When I was in uh, America, because some of you might not know this, but I was in Scotland and I was in America when I was 21. I played in the uh, National League here for, in, for South Melbourne, for soccer. And then I went to America on a college scholarship. And I was playing over there and I... I, um, I was in my bedroom, went from America to college, college I was in Kansas, and um, went from there to Scotland, back to Scotland in Dundee. And I was trialling with a friend of mine who was from um, North England in a little town called Workington and uh, in the Lakes District, which is just absolutely stunning. And we were travelling around together and he said, hey, I can get some trials. He played for Carlisle United. Anyone knows anything about soccer? They were in the top tier at the time. They are from Wales, but in the top tier. And he said, look, I can get some trials at different clubs. And I said, Oh well, I can get some trials at different clubs too. Let's just set up a few trials and we'll travel around together, and we'll just, we'll just have a blast, it'll be awesome. And so we thought, let's do that. So we'd set up a trial in a club in France, and we'd set up a trial at a club in Belgium. And the one in Belgium looked like it was, oh sorry, the one in France looked like it was gonna fizzle out, and the one in Belgium looked like it possibly could go ahead. And we were, we're talking over a million dollars possibly of signing contract money. I wouldn't have got all of that, but that was what the contract was. So I'm 21. A million dollar figure looks very appealing. Back in 2007. <laughs> now it's like... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> can't buy a car for a million dollars. <laughs> is that? No. But the Lord, I'm sitting in my bedroom in Scotland. And the Lord so clearly says, I, I want you to go back to Melbourne. And I'm like... All right. Is there anyone else? Gabriel, Michael, you got anything to say about this? No. Holy Spirit, you want to, you want it to intervene here? But I knew God was calling me to something. I didn't know what. I didn't know. I had never a clue what it was. And I remember on the plane, and I'm reading my Bible. I'm on the plane home. I obviously, fasted and prayed for a month. I needed to make sure that was the Lord. And I'm reading Matthew 10, verse eight, where Jesus says, I'm gonna send you out two by two, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers. I've brought my kingdom with me. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I'm reading Matthew 10. And I said, God, I don't know what you're calling me back to, but I'm in at any cost if I get this. I want everything in this book to come alive and become a reality, not just a theory, not just good theology. I need this to become a reality. I need this to be real. And I'll do do—I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll look like the biggest idiot for you if I get that in return. Now, I don't always recommend bartering with God. <laughs> but he, he said he said yeah that's what i want (laughs) i want this i want willing vessels for you for me to pour out my spirit on so that he can make his home in us and here on planet earth because that's the prayer your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven I'm Liam Swain from a a small town in Lilydale with, like, I'm no one in the grand eyes of I'm loved by God. I'm a son of God. I'm not bringing me down a level to make myself look humble. But I'm telling you right now, the call of God for revival comes at a cost. It's worth every single thing. But it does come at a cost. To have your wife's name, your name, slandered, persecuted, all of these things. It's worth it. If I get him in return, it's worth it. I want him at any cost. We'll get healing if we go after healing, but we'll get way more if we get Jesus. We'll see mighty miracles. There'll be provision if we go after finances. But if we go after Jesus, we'll get everything else in return. And if we get persecuted, stoned, shipwrecked, shot at, shut down, whatever, we'll be okay because we'll have Jesus. And I believe the Lord is inviting. I believe there's been a dryness in Australia for a long time. God's doing awesome stuff. We heard it this morning. He does amazing stuff through us. There's people getting saved through people in this church all the time. Miracles are happening all the time. Great stuff's happening all the time. But I believe he wants to do it and increase it and take us on a journey of being led by his spirit so that we can host his presence to rebuild the ancient ruins. He wants revival in Australia, guys. He wants it. But he's going to take a response from us to say, hey... I mean, at any cost, do whatever you want to do with me. It's a bold prayer, but it's worth it. Why don't you stand? Can I get Ben or the guys up, someone on the keys or guitar or whatever? And we're just going to wait on God. We're just going to spend 15, 20, whatever, however long what God does. I believe the Lord is inviting us into is the question are you in at any cost you know I, I don't believe this is a, a hear my heart here this is not a um, this and this isn't like a while well, now you've made that commitment in your heart you know um, we're just gonna we're just gonna whip you now in the church or you it's not that This is a, a, I'm in God for you to come and wreck me and do whatever it is you want to do in my personal life. But I also believe collectively as a community, as a church. Acts 2, the important, you know, they're afraid of persecution. They're afraid of, 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 you know, we've just spent time with a resurrected man who got crucified. (laughs) And we might get that as well. So they're scared, they're in an upper room, they're praying, they're towering unto the Lord. He comes, the Bible says it's like a roaring wind and everyone in that nation heard it. Everyone that was in Jerusalem heard it and went to see what happened. It wasn't like a little, (gasps) it was a violent wind that came in to the temple. It's probably where they were. baptism of fire comes. They start to speak in a different language. They're like, right? They're praying and a Greek man's hearing them. A Spanish man's hearing them in his native tongue. It's weird. It's unique. They're like, man, these guys are intoxicated on wine. They're drunk. Peter's like, no, no, no. Listen, guys, we are not drunk as you think. We're drunk he doesn't say this, but it's like, we are. yeah, we're drunk on the spirit of the living God. That's what we're drunk on. We're drunk on God. Now, I don't know if you've met intoxicated people, but they do stupid stuff. But they're, they're bold. The fear of man is not on them. They're like, I can climb that fence and jump off. They're like, I can, I can yell at that person and I won't get in trouble. They do dumb stuff. Intoxicated people of God do stupid. Awesome stuff for the Lord. Yeah. They rebuild ancient ruins. And you look at the revivals of guys of, of past. Robert, um, um, uh, Evan Roberts, a 17-year-old man, boy. He prays, he says, God, bend me. Do whatever you want, bend me. Toronto. Toronto, the outpouring of Toronto. I mean, people walking around doing crazy stuff on the ground, right? Barking like dogs. That's weird. I don't understand it. Do you know there's a verse? uh, If I can share this, I'm going to share this because this is profound. Patricia King, who knows Patricia King? She shared this with Seth Dahl. She went to Toronto when Toronto happened and she went, this isn't the Lord, I'm offended. Why would God do this? She went back into her hotel room and God said, "I I want you to read Isaiah 57. I think it's Isaiah 57. I might get this slightly wrong. She went and read Isaiah 57. It says, That the Lord wakes up from slumber, the barking dogs. Or He makes them bark like dogs. And he, He awakens those that are in slumber. It's in the Bible. And God said to her, I'm waking up the sleeping church. I'm waking up the sleeping church and I'm doing it in a way that's going to offend a lot of people. But when you've encountered God, scales on the eyes. Paul, scales on the eyes, right? Ananias comes and prays, this is God. You've met Jesus face to face. I don't care what anyone says against me. God's for me. When you've had that personal encounter with God. Now, I'm not saying we need to be weird in order for God to come. Um, And He might do it differently, don't? Do you hear what I'm saying? We don't have to put it on. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to make God do something. But I believe the Lord is asking us, saying, Glory City Church, I want you to posture your heart in a way that just says, all right, Jesus, do whatever you want to do with me. Do whatever you want to do in this house. Let's wait on Him right now, church. Let's invite His Spirit to come and move and let's not be offended like Jerusalem was when Jesus came and we shut down mighty miracles. So let's just wait on him. Let's just wait. Let's invite him into the house, Jesus. Come and do what you wanna do, God. We want you at any cost, God. We want you at any cost. I break the spirit of fear in this place. I break it right now in Jesus' name. That there'd be an oil of gladness released. The oil of gladness right now would just flow. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.